Hello, and welcome back to Trust Me, I'm Funny. I'm your host, Stella Carr, and today I have with me a very special guest. I know it's been a while, so thanks for tuning in again. And this episode is being recorded live on a patio uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona, during quarantine times. Um, we're about a few weeks into quarantine at this point, um, so we're a safe distance apart from each other in real life and everything has been Clorox wiped for disinfecting purposes. Um, all right, just to refresh you guys on what this podcast is about, everyone has something to say but not everyone's willing to talk about it. On my podcast, I interview guests who I've grown to trust or those who have grown to trust me and those who I'm willing to create trust with over the course of the episode. The purpose is to get listeners inspired and to have similar conversations with people in their lives, continuing to build trust with those around them while having fun. On today's episode, I'm interviewing my neighbor, Yaakov Kurer. Is that that how I would pronounce it? Yeah. Okay. Um, He will tell you guys a little bit more about himself and this first segment, which I like to call First Impressions. So please, introduce yourselves to the listeners. Um, okay. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening, I guess. Um, I'm Yaakov. I was born and raised and always live in Jerusalem, Israel. Um, I'm spending... The reason I live in Estelle's neighbor is because I'm spending a year in the States as part of a community called uh, CBT, Congregation Vestafila, um, as an ambassador, which I assume we'll talk about more later. Um, I'm 23. I don't know. What else? What else do I need to, to say? I think that's good for now. Now, tell people how you know me. We covered that you're my neighbor, but if you remember, do you remember when or how we met? I don't, but probably it had to do with the, the parking somehow because we are, we our parking spots are next to each other. Um, actually, me and my roommate have a car each, but we have only one uh, parking spot. So, Usually when I'm lazy, I park in Stas park once when we, once upon a time when we actually left the apartment. So <laughs> Stella would come home uh, relatively late. I would sometimes just leave there in my car and just forget it. So probably it had to do with that somehow. Yeah, yeah. I think that's safe to say. We probably met in the parking lot um, in a wee hour of the night because yeah. if it wasn't a parking Conundrum, you and your roommate stay up pretty late because I think that's maybe just how people do it in Israel or at first you were adjusting for the time change. Who knows? No, I think, I don't think it has to do with the time change. I think it has, first of all, a few things. I think, yes, in Israel, things go on later. You don't, people here, are, I mean, our age, go to sleep at 10, which seems to me very, very Peculiar. I would be very comfortable to call anyone, anyone single for sure, <laughs> at 10, 11 o'clock. Um, no problem. I would, we would go out, like leave the house at 
11 p.m. to you know go out, have a drink, enjoy ourselves. So I think for sure uh, Jerusalem is what stays up later than Scottsdale. Um, but you get up really early here. People get up here at three, four, five, which is crazy. Yeah, that is a good observation. Uh, given that you don't have the same type of nightlife or social life that you have, you know, back home in Jerusalem, what has that been like adjusting here? You've been here like eight months now. Um, it, 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 it's very different. It's hard, it's hard to say because at least my social life is very, it wasn't very centered. It's centered within, I feel that people's social life, especially our age, is usually very centered around um, basically partying on in the different ways, going out, drinking a lot, or smoking a lot, whatever. Um, and that wasn't really my thing for the past few years. It used to be my thing, but not very much anymore. Um, so it, it's very friend-focused. So you don't go out to do something, you go out to be with someone. It's different. I think it's different. Um, you don't go out to get really drunk, you go out to speak with a friend. And probably in the process you'll get, you'll get very drunk, which is it's fine and recommended. And I'm, I'm not judging. I'm just, that's what I prefer to do. I, I don't, I, I found here in Scottsdale, for example, there's uh, what you, I think is called breweries which I really like because they have good beer. They don't have loud music and it's there's light. But in Israel, most places you want to get a beer, they're loud. Not not the people, the music, you can't speak with, it's dark. And just everything is like a club, but you don't always want a club. So I like I like here the, like the, the I, I don't really call it nightlife, more like, evening I life will, yeah social life yeah social life in that sense i like it better but because it's very friend focused it's been mm -hmm. a very different i would have a lot of uh, friends my my size here <laughs> what's your favorite brewery that you found here here we found a few really good ones there's one right here called fate mm -hmm. um kilt lifter uh, not killed, uh, four peak, yeah. <laughs> the killed lifter, very good beer. Um, there's another place in the end of just uh, the edge of uh, of Old Town. I don't remember how it's called. Really, also? no, no, also doesn't get a lot of points with me. Mm. Sorry, also. Well, if and when quarantine ends before you return, we got to go to Flagstaff because there's a handful of breweries that I love, and I feel like you would like that, but it looks like the trees are more like Jerusalem, like. No, oh, actually, I'm I'm kind of a tagalon for along for breweries. Many my roommate, he likes beers. He makes beers. He cooks beers. He bottles beers. He's a beer man. I I sometimes hate like you go to a brewery with him. You need to like keep forty minutes aside just to talk about the different aromas. <laughs> um, what is it that you say when you're asked what your favorite beer is? Um, I don't say. You said whatever's in my hand. Oh, yeah. No, that's a joke. <laughs> whatever in my hand. No, usually it's interesting. There's people that kindle. 
Yeah. Sorry if I put Hebrew in yeah, like, now and then. Um, there's people that are people of um, my favorite beer, the favorite beer in my is the beer that's in my hand, but I think there's more people, uh, including me, that usually think about the best beer is the next beer. Mm. Or the beer I don't have yet. It's a good um, one, too. Yeah, no, but um, it, it depends, beers. It depends. Like, yeah. What, what, what's your favorite beer? Craft beer? Just uh, or uh, Depends what purpose the beer is for, too. Yeah, it depends what time. Like, now, now I'm really into stats. I really like stats. Because why? Um, very flavorful. Flavorful. Um, it feels to me much, I think culturally it's closer to wine. Hmm. Much heavier, higher alcohol. Um, I think it's just, it's, it's, I think it's got it's more complexity to it than most beers. And it's strong, which I like. Do you know my favorite beer? No. What is it? Stop? Yeah. We we have a whole uh, whole box of it. It's not that good, but it has my name on it, so. It's a terrible beer. No. I think my favorite beer is an Arizona beer from Flagstaff. It's a Kolsch. It's a lighter beer. Yeah. But I want to go back to something you said a few moments ago. You said that you aren't really into what you think most of your peers are into anymore, like the more like going out drinking as much, like you said, you used to be in that and not so much. So what changed to make that switch? Um, I don't know if my peers, but most of the people my age, um, it's a good question because I, rem- I don't remember enjoying that activity, going out, drinking a lot, having drinking contests. Um, I was always very good at drinking, <laughs> which uh, for a young guy is pretty upsetting because... Takes that much more to get drunk. Yeah, a lot of money gone into usually not very good experiences. Um, yeah, I've noticed. I feel like you're always taking l'chaims, as the Jewish people call them, shots on Shabbat. But I've never seen you like be affected by it. Yeah. You hold your alcohol well. I hold, I hold it well. It's also a lot of training. Um, I think that something that happened is I, I'm a religious guy, obviously, but this is a podcast. What? They can't see you. I know, but I'm working for a Jewish community. I think I'm working True. for a Jewish community. We'll get into that. Yeah. So at some point, I I was always close, but at some point it became much more real and emotionally um, relevant to me, um, the Hasidic movement. And in the yeshiva that I was, I would get much more... Uh, involved in something that's called a fabregen, right, vadut, which translates to hangout. But I think the very special, really very, very special uh, event. Um, the, the basics of it is there's two people and they talk to each other. Now, and they talk honestly, and we're talking about 
think honestly and trust. We so I think there's something in life that we want to do truly and honestly. So we won't use like sedatives to get there, right? I don't think uh, prayer that's induced, uh, not prayer, but I would say uh, 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 some metaphysical experiences that are induced by by mind-altering substances. Yes. So I think they they might be very enjoyable. I don't know. I've never tried, but I don't know their their um, their importance or their relevance to or how true they are. I, I really don't know. But I think that um, I think a lot of people that drink. I mean, most most people drink. Most people that drink have had experience when because of drinking they have an uh, an honest experience. They could talk. Um, they could talk from the heart, and the heart is more open to, to listen. And Drunk words are sober thoughts. Um, yeah, I guess. Is that the expression? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. The truth comes out when you're drunk, so people usually say yeah. things, and then it's not that it's the liquor speaking. It's just that filter's lifted. So what they're normally thinking, they wouldn't say. Now they'll say it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't... In, in general, I would say yes. It does have a positive effect on uh, on the honesty and uh, f- even fluency of uh, the fluency of honesty. Not just a break, but you're in a you're suddenly in a capsule or bubble. That inside that bubble, we're talking honestly, and there's no there might be judgment, but it's okay. It's, it's it's all good. It's all okay. And we're talking about things that are not. We're talking about things that are close to our heart. So usually these fabrigans are around. Um, I would say relationships. Usually my relationship with God, but it could also be my relationship with other things, um, or about God Himself. Or. And. This is a lot of speculation. Just thinking back, I don't know if this is actually what happened. So, I think when. When you have that experience, that usually is involved involves this hanging out. So you have a, a higher experience of what hanging out is, and then something else is it's not worth the time, it's not worth the money, it's not worth the effort. It's always disappointing because it never gets to that point where you've been already. Of not saying, by the way, for Blake, it's sometimes I would say usually. I think they're the saying you need to you 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 sit through ten fablegans to have one good one. To 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 ten terrible fablegans to have one good one. I remember could probably count on one hand to, pause for a moment. Yeah. There's a car oh, okay, sorry. backing up. We'll probably be able to hear that on the recorder. Beep 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 beep. Not that not suspicious of at all, neighbor. We have neighbors that are drug dealers, but we won't say that too loudly. Um, yeah. So. So sorry. You um, were saying that not every experience in a Fabrian is that, you know, somewhat spiritual. Well, they're yeah. all spiritual, but not all of them are. At no, that some level. of them are annoying. Some of them yeah. are upsetting. It really depends. I think I've I've participated in uh, Fabrians in my life too, and I would um, 
I think you did a good job of describing that situation because I feel like after I've first, I think personally in my life, I started to experience like a tapering off of like wanting to go out and party as much before I like started becoming more religious or have a had for bringing. But I think those two things started to cross in my life. And when I first um, also had like a really deep experience in it for bringing, you really do and sober or not. So I've never really gotten that drunk at one. I don't, I just don't drink that much in general, but it's still that, that kind of safe and open environment with friends where you could be wherever and, you know, the surroundings melts away and it's just people talking. Um, and so I think that it's true that once you've, once you realize that you can have those deep conversations with people, like the small talk is just like dreadful. And so like, if you're at a bar and it's loud and you're trying to, it's like a waste of time because you can't even talk to the person or the people. And then like what you're talking about is frivolous. And so I think naturally it becomes less incentivized to participate in that type of social act. So I, I think that's a good reason. Not that you need a good reason to stop partying. But. No, I'm not uh, not saying that partying isn't yeah. good. I also, I like parties. I like to dance. Yeah. But uh, now just thinking, also when I... There's a time and place for everything. Yeah, but I think also just for me, uh, something much more simple than that is that at some point I grew more religious. And then suddenly the the a lot of things that that clubs and bars are offering you are irrelevant. I'm not going to dance at a bar anymore because it's mixed dancing. Um, I'm not going to hit on girls at bars because it's just not what I'm interested in right now. Um, I'm not going to do drinking competitions because... Well, because I've won enough, and because uh, <laughs> you've got your trophy shelf, I've got no, full. no yeah, and because uh, you know, I also grew up, so um, I think it's also, I think it's a lot of things. It's also just you know, just a plain growing up, having less time, deciding to spend it more wi- uh, wiser or wisely or more Wise, wisely, wiser, 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 in a wiser way. Um, more wisely, that's correct. More wisely. Yeah. yeah. If you feel comfortable talking about what made, you know, you kind of reference your, the past life in a sense of like things you used to do and things you don't do anymore. Mm -hmm. What, is there a moment where you can connect to that switch happening aside from for bring-ins, but just like personally, what made you want to give up things that maybe you used to enjoy doing for a different type of lifestyle? I don't, I think it's a very small, very subtle change for someone looking from that side. It's not, there isn't a place that I won't go to now that I used to go to. You'll still go where I'll still go. I just don't want to. Right. Like I'm not, I don't have a problem um, going somewhere, but I, should, I less want to do so. I'm not, 
you know, it's you not... You have different glasses on. Like, you see the situation differently? Yeah. No, I just don't think it's that big a difference. Um, but I think the focus of, of my life altered. Um, or just... Or the focus... It focused. It was blurry before, and it just focused. Um, just because all the beer you were drinking, right? Yeah, it's all the beer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember a very specific event that was, I think, a trigger for a lot of change. But I think there was a lot of building up towards that point. And to be honest, I don't feel that I'm... Um, I don't feel that it's done or over. But I do feel that I crossed... What do you say also in... in in uh, English, cross the, no, cross the... Barrier? Uh, finish no, line? Uh, it's called a Rubicon in Hebrew. A Rubicon? Oh. Yeah, cross the Rubicon. That's an American... American expression? Rubicon. Okay. Like, so, the, the, like a point of no return. Yeah, so I feel I crossed that in some way. I um, Should I explain what happened? Yeah. Okay. So I was... This is, this has happened after two years of yeshiva. And another year in the army. So you think going into yeshiva, we'll cover what yeshiva is in a second. Okay. And doing the army, you still don't think you pro- crossed no. that point of no return? No. Something after that occurred? No. I'll say something that it's, I'm pretty sure I'm going to blame it on him, that my uh, dear mentor. Uh, another what, car. Another car. Beep, 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 beep. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm a bit too serious for your podcast. No, the point is, serious is funny. That's all my episodes are actually serious. Okay. People listen and they're like, I thought. Apologize for that interruption. There was um, illicit activities going on. Yeah. They have concluded for now until the next interruption. Uh, the next episode of this podcast should really just be called Neighborhood Watch. And we mm-hmm. just report on all the suspicious activity going on in our neighborhood. But. Anyway, you were discussing your Rubicon. Great word, by the way. Good word, yeah. Um, So I'll say something from my dear mentor, uh, Rabbi Adin Steindot, which I recommend everyone to check out about him. I think he's done very interesting stuff, said interesting things. Um, he said that most people that are religious from the same people that in Israel, it's much more divided into religious and non-religious. Um, now, not saying that there isn't a spectrum and so on, but it's like sectors. I don't think here you really say, here there's Shema Shabbos, Shema Kashur, there's like the whole. But what he says, most people that are religious or observant, maybe the correct translation, are observant for the same reason that people that are non-observant are non-observant. That reason is, they were born that way, and nothing changed since. Um, I think that's something that's true about most things, uh, sadly. So I was born religious, I grew up religious, I went to a religious school, so we went, eventually I went to yeshiva, which is basically just a higher religious, uh, a higher... Uh, um, education, education, In religious Jewish studies. Yeah, just studies. Basically, you sit all day, 
in a room with a lot of books and learn with someone else the same book, same books. That's yeshiva. You know, in a way. And those books are uh, the Torah. Torah. Yeah. Um, it's the Torah not being the five books of Moses, but more what we call the... encompassing. Hmm? Like everything is. Like, yeah, everything is all we call everything and any more or less religious study or thought Torah doctrine, yeah. doctrine Torah. We call what what is uh, called the oral Torah, which is not necessarily documented or or written down, but it's uh, it's hard for me to explain. But a lot, of, let's say, the Jewish library is probably. Uh, it has the, probably hundreds of thousands of books. There's the main ones, there's not the important ones, but so that's what you do. You sit in yeshiva most of the day and learn. Um, How old were you when you went? 17. Until? 22. You go, so I did a deal basically. In Israel, you have to go to the army for, for men for two two years and eight months now. They're putting it down to two and a half years now. But two years and eight months, the deal is you could learn in yeshiva for um, for three and a half years. If you learn in yeshiva for three and a half years, so they'll give your, so they'll give you a year off the army. So you do, so basically what you do is you go into yeshiva for two years or two and a half, you could wiggle a little bit, but I went into two years, then you do the army for a year and a half, and then you go back to yeshiva for a year and a half. Um, that's what I did. So, Which do you prefer, the army or yeshiva? Yeshiva. I'm not, I'm not a guy that's very well adjusted to... Uh, being told what to do? It's not just being told what to do. It's systems. It's it's logic. It's the logic of a system. The thinking of a system being uh, it was hard for me to be in a position where I can't really. What I thought then is I can't really do any good, which I think today is, was a mistake of me. But, but for sure you can't make a change. You for sure can't change your situation very much. Um, I think you could change some things that are more subtle. You could. Subtle, not less important. You could. There's a lot of opportunities to, to just be nice to people, just to help people out. Um, and I think in that situation, I wasn't aware of that. But definitely yeshiva. Yeshiva is the opposite of the army. The army, they tell you what to do all the time. You don't think for yourself. Yeshiva, do whatever you want. The books are here. The people are here. By the way, I don't think it's a study of books. I think it's a study of the Torah. We just—it's more about the people than the books. The books are sort the of tool. A, the tool to get. You need to understand what what is written in the books, but it's not like it's not like a, it's very different than a library. Um, anyway, so for sure, Shiva, you do whatever you want. The books are there. You could sleep in your bed all day. No one is going to come and tell you, "Hey, why aren't you learning?" Um, so. I was I I didn't have a good army service. I didn't. It was hard. Um, at some point towards the end, I got into trouble and I got a detention. Ooh. Yeah. 
Um, I got detention in elementary school, but I think it's probably very different than military detention. It's not. You don't go home. <laughs> That's the gist of it. Um, it's a pretty cool story, actually. I got detention. And I, I had, a, like, I went to court, the Army court, which is just one of your commanders. Bad boy, bad boy. What you gonna do? Yeah, basically. Um, what so was it? What was it? He, the story goes like this. I had a friend that got engaged. And it's basically divided into, it has to do with the system, but part of this deal with the army is that you go into the army as a group, not as individuals. So you go with friends from your yeshiva. Then they put a bunch of these groups of friends together, and that's your 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 team, your machlaka, it's called. I don't know how it's called in, in English, but the you have an officer. It's, a, it's like the smallest organic group in the army. Um, and, and one of the guys from my yeshiva got engaged. Mazel tov. And we were up in the Golan. The Golan is about five-hour drive from Modi'in, which is where the engagement party was, was going to happen. Now, we were his friends, so there was no point of having an engagement. It was supposed to be like a small engagement party, 10 of his friends, 10 of her friends. Um, and what happened was that he wanted to make sure that we could come. So he went to our officer a month in advance and said, when should I When should I have the party so my friends could come? So he said, do it on this date. Um, now it's in the Golan. The Golan is very remote from anywhere. So a week before come, they say, on that date, there's going to be a very... <laughs> well, it's Corona times. Anyway, so there's going to be a very important ins- inspection of the commander of the, not of the, even the brigade, uh, something beyond the, I don't know how it's called, but an important guy. He's a lieutenant, a lieutenant, I think you call him, or a colonel, even. Colonel. 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 I don't know how you say it. <laughs> colonel. So, so he's supposed to come and inspect us, and he's going to inspect something very specific. The, the It's called the kipatretic, the... Basically, the small group, small about seven people that are supposed to to uh, be pretty far away from the target, and they have a heavy fire. So I was there. I was. I had something. It's called a uh, mag, very big gun, shoots to about uh, twelve hundred feet at least. That's like a minimum. It's pretty, very good, very heavy, very painful to carry around. Um, but we had a grenade launcher. We had a bunch of cool things. The problem was, and he's coming to inspect, and we don't know when he's going to come. He's going to come on that date, and the party's supposed to start at 8, and he's going to come at 4 to the base. So basically, if he comes at 4, inspects us, and leaves, uh, so we could leave immediately. But of course, that's not going to happen. Um, now, that specific thing that he's going to inspect is of course, the, all the all the seven people are the seven people from the yeshiva. So, so is this story clear? There's a lot of things uh, going yeah. on. So we can't go, but he's engagement party is already happening. So he can't go either. No, he could go. Okay. They're not. They're not that. He, he, they're not that mean. And he even wasn't part of that specific uh, uh-huh. inspection. 
So he's pretty upset. But we, we feel bad because we really want to go. So the officer says, the minute it's over, you can go. So we're lying down somewhere um, waiting for this to happen. So 4 o'clock comes. He doesn't get there. Five, it's a five-hour drive. It's a big drive, yeah. It's a big, big drive. It's not like an hour down the street. It's like a drive. You need a couple Look, of hours. I would say it takes five hours. Eventually, it took us three hours okay. hitchhiking. Hitchhiking. You yeah. didn't have a car. No. No. It would for sure be five hours by bus. So what happened was that... I hitchhiked in Israel, by the way. Yeah, that's fine. It's fine. It's more or less fine to hitchhike. It's normal. It was the best. It was fun. Where did you hitchhike? Actually, we tried to hitchhike. It didn't work. We took a bus eventually. Where? We, were in, we went to the Dead Sea to go camping. Yeah. And then our ride left in the middle of the night. So we woke up at the Dead Sea in the middle of the desert in the summer with no transportation. So we tried to hitchhike for about an hour and then we caught a bus. Oh, that's bad. And took a bus to what we were going to do was Angeti, and then it was too hot in the day. So we just took the bus all the way to a lot and then rented an Airbnb mm. and then spent Shabbat in a lot. Um, in this random like mansion with pool <laughs> and it was quite the spontaneous adventure. Cool. Anyway, back yeah, to so, No, hitchhiking is pretty common, but is a bit dangerous. Thus, meaning you're not allowed to hitchhike. So As soldiers. It, as a soldier, yeah, of course. As a soldier, you're not allowed to hitchhike. So we eventually like at six or seven o'clock get to the bus stop, all of us. And we want to hitchhike because there's no buses anymore because it's a Golan and there's no buses there at this time. I mean, seven, which is not that late, but there wasn't another bus for at least a couple of hours and we really wanted to get there. So we didn't really know what to do. So someone said, you know what? One of us needs to, to change to is what we call the civil clothes. Just change clothes and hitchhike because that's a bit of a safer way to do it. Now, I've hitchhiked plenty in the army but uh, you, sh you shouldn't. And it was pretty close to the base, so we didn't want to to be... So we wanted to be a bit more careful, so I changed my clothes, of course, because if anyone is going to get in trouble, it should be me, obviously. Um, and we hitchhiked, and all of us got there around 10 to the party. So the party was dead, but he was happy to see us. And then we had an after party. This whole thing was at his fiance's parents' house, which they were probably so happy about bunch of people like a bunch of soldiers coming home finally seeing each other after a long time drinking all through the booze left and yeah so they were happy about it i come sunday to the base sunday is the first day of the week in israel come sunday to the base my officer told calls me he says why did you change your clothes inside the base I'm like what says someone saw you at the bus station uh wearing regular clothes and not your your and you should have been in your uniform it's not clear what I should have been and what I was allowed. But your allowed. friends didn't change? No. But they were with you? Yes. Hmm. Um, so that was quite lucky because if you, if, so apparently one of the commanders that I think specifically didn't like me, I, mean, I probably know that he didn't like me, um, saw me standing there. And uh, I'm lucky that he didn't understand that it was hitchhiking because they, then I would be in real trouble. But for this, I got uh, got a detention of four, of 
21 days. For changing. Yeah. Um, and when I finished, I, I, I uh, what is it called? Um, I challenged uh, the, the, or the judgment. The judgment. So then it went up to the higher rank. But in the mint, in the middle, there was Rosh Hashanah. So I was able to go home for Rosh Hashanah. Anyway, there was a point I was getting back from the song. Sorry to the point. I was alone. That's the point. Isolation. Was, not isolation, but I was pretty alone for a pretty long time. Like getting, in quarantine. Uh, yeah, but the opposite because you're in the Golan, which is beautiful. You're not supposed to leave the base, but you leave because who cares? And it was nice. There was something very nice about it. I watched all of Rick and Rick of Mor and Morty in like a couple of days there. Um, Who's your favorite? Rick or Morty. Right. His favorite is Morty. But like a weird character on the show, like Pickle Rick or Mr. Oh, Poopy Pickle Butt Buttonhole. Pickle Rick. Pickle Rick is brilliant. Um, and during that time, I read a, a writing... Uh, article of my rabbi, Rabbi Steinbelt, and I've read many of his stuff before, but something in that, what he wrote there, was, uh, changed everything for me. I remember that moment of realization, of realizing something about the world, that everything that I thought up to this point is his... Every the way I live should be different. Um, Do you still know what letter or article that was? Yes, of course. And I've read it again many times, but doesn't hit you the same. Doesn't way. hit me the same way. And it's also it's very important to to, under, to remember, especially when you're teaching, that there's things that that you can't um, you can't duplicate an experience. I read something, I think it's very moving. I tell you, you should read it. You read it and you say, yeah, it's very nice. I say, what do you mean it's very nice? Don't, aren't you rattled about it? And then it didn't, and you're like, no. So the same with, with yourself. You read something, you think it's brilliant. You read it a few, after a few weeks, a few months, after a few years. Nothing special about it. Um, I remember exactly what it was. It was about the about the month of Elul. Was about um, what, the concept of teshuva. And I remember the point being that your life could be focused um, around serving Hashem. God. Hmm? God. Yes. What we call in English God. Um, G. The, Hyphen. Hyphen D. You don't put the O. You don't put the O. Um, because? Because you don't, you, it's a problem to, to. Throw away. To throw away or destroy, destroy the, the name of Hashem, the, the actual name. So we use a lot of nicknames. Abbreviations. Abbreviations to describe the name, which I, I asked what, what, what the first saying. commandment. Yeah, don't. Uh, Say the name in vain or my name in vain. So we don't, the word we use during prayer, the name we use during prayer is not the word that I would use now to say Hashem. Mm -hmm. um, and and that changed, changed everything. And I think the reason why life could 
could change in that way is not because you have a realization about something, but that you're, you're, I think it's in that article that when, if you're going down a road and you're walking one mile and then you make a one, one degree angle, a change of one degree, and you walk on that road, you're not going to get after one mile to very different points. But if, but after a hundred miles, it's going to be very, very different. Yeah. And I think that shift of that angle, that is very subtle. It's really, it's something very small. It could mean, if you're, for me, already being religious, it means not just praying, but actually caring about praying. Or... Um, not praying, but trying to communicate. Now, things are, that's very subtle, I think. You don't see it from the outside, but that half a degree change or one degree change on the long run changes everything. But also already when you make the change, so your your aim, is your goal is very different, so that changes everything you do. Hmm. Um, yeah. It's an interesting story of... Uh self-reflection I think and realizing that even even a small adjustment can make a big difference in in the outcome of your life I think it's it's not I don't think it's a small adjustment I think it's it's a real adjustment and real adjustments make make real changes mm-hmm. all right let's take yeah uh, sorry that's too heavy for everyone no, it's Everyone good who stuff. knows, maybe it's just you. Yeah, it's fine. It's not too heavy for me and the five people who will probably hear this podcast. Okay, well, thank you for listening, five people. Um, we can. You just have you have a very interesting story, so there's a lot to that could be covered. But for right now, let's lighten the mood a little bit. Can you tell me a joke or your favorite okay. joke? So you told me to think about a joke. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. You I prompted, to I prompted okay. my guests so that they're not caught off guard. But the idea is that because people know I'm a comedian, they always say, "So tell me a joke if you're so funny." So I like to ask normal people. But a joke. A okay, joke. so there's one joke that I think is really stupid, but once I thought it's really funny. So the story is that I was in tenth grade, I think or 11th grade, and we went for a night, uh, not a trip, like a field like a field trip to Hebron with our teachers. And I was in a very small school. It was about 30 of us. And it was all night. And through the night, slowly it gets very funny because it was a very serious trip. But like at some point we were hanging out like 4 a.m. And with good mood and so slap happy yeah and i told one of my teachers tell us a joke like oh, i don't want to do this. Like, oh, come on tell us a joke you know and he told us a joke that is so stupid it's such a bad joke but good enough you remember it till this day because i thought it's the funniest thing then so that's what i remember and then there's another joke that i heard today that i thought is really funny okay let's hear both so the stupid joke goes like this uh, wife tells her husband, you never buy me any electrical devices. So he bought her a chair. 
A chair. A chair. An electric chair. That's a joke. That's <laughs> very stupid, right? Wow. It's a joke about killing your wife? Yeah. I don't know. I thought it's very funny at the time. Thank goodness no, you really... have this moment of realization that you could serve what? Hashem and be a better person because yeah. who knows where you'd end up. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I thought I like dumb jokes. I like fun. It's a surprising joke, but it's also it's a bad joke because yeah. no wife says that to her. It's a bad joke. Yeah. Um, but I remembered it. Uh, the joke I heard today was I'm never going to say it as well as the video I saw saying it. A guy said, a guy comes to the rabbi. This man comes to the rabbi. He says, Rabbi, look, I have a problem. I don't know what to do. My son became Christian. He says, Rabbi, the real rabbi, he says, you know something? You won't believe what happened to me. I have the same problem. Also, my, my son became Christian. So he says, okay, so, so what did you do? So he prayed. And... Did Hashem answer you? He says, yes, he answered me. What did he say? He said, I told him, listen, Hashem, I have, you won't believe what happened to me. I have a son that became Christian. Then God told me, well, you won't believe what happened to me. <laughs> it's okay. What? Yeah, that's the end of the joke. I mean, it's it's like, obvious. Yeah, I think. <laughs> at that point, then. Uh, that's funny. It's okay. I saw a Haredi guy saying it's it. It's a Jesus joke, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Has, how do we say? Jesus. No, that's uh, Jesus. Spanish. Jesus. But in uh, in Yiddish, I think they say uh, Shoshke. Shoshke. It's like a nickname. Shoshke. Yeah. Our friend Shoshke. <laughs> that is funny. I feel like I've heard a variation of that joke. Before. Yeah, probably. It's a good rabbi joke. Yeah. Oh, the rabbi had a lot of, the rabbi of the community had a lot of jokes. Mm-hmm. Most of them are pretty bad. So what made you want to come and work in Scottsdale after you came here from Yeshiva, right? Or was there a break in between? Uh, there wasn't, there wasn't. So what compelled you to, to come, come here, leave your life for a year? And in, in explaining such, explain what you do here. Okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom for a moment because the beers do, do their thing. Um, beer, beer is um, working its way through your system. Yeah. I'll give a commercial break. Okay. Sorry. But you're going to miss the joke. It's fine. Um, all right. Now it's time for a commercial break. Today's episode is brought to you by Rubber Gloves. You're the one you make quarantine so much fun rubber gloves i'm awfully fond of you it's true remember that tune about rubber ducky from sesame street well this time it's about rubber gloves now is not the time to have a latex allergy because rubber gloves are going to get you through 2020 just remember rubber gloves end up in landfills and oceans this ad has been sponsored by the latex lobby of america Wow. Thanks to our sponsor, Latex, for today. Uh, we're going to hop right back into our interview with... Remind us of your name. Yaakov. Okay. And how do you spell that? Um, I spell it Y-A-A-C-O-V. You know, in my phone, yeah. your name was Y-A-A-K-O-V. Yeah. 
K-U-R-E. Cure? No, it's not cure. It's cure. K-U-R-E-R. Right, but when you said it first, I thought cure. you were just no, saying cure. No, it's not. It's not a English uh, name. It's a. Uh, it's it's German, so that's how it should be. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, it should be like cure. That's more the cure. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, you were getting into talking about why you're here. Um, in Scottsdale, not on Earth. Only yeah, Hashem yeah. knows. Sorry. He's being a very rude guest right I'm now. Sorry. And he is texting someone. Clearly, I'm not an interesting no, host. No, no, sorry. Very Jewish of you to guilt me. Um, I'm just practicing. Okay. For being Make a sure. Jewish mother. Um, sorry. Um, yeah. So, where were we? I know I was explaining about why I came here, but. You didn't say much. I don't really know why I came. It's a good question. It's one of the things, it's something that I'm not very proud of. I came here as a, because I didn't really have a better plan. I'm not saying that I'm not happy that I came, but I just don't think it's good to do things as a default. Um, I got the offer to come here for the year. Did you have to apply? No. It's more of... Your brother was here first. My brother was here the previous ambassador. They're very good friends of mine. It worked out. It happened. Um, but, of course, I'm an ambassador of. I'm an ambassador of Rabbi Steinelt, and he wouldn't have come here unless he told me to. Um, eventually, he told me to. He wasn't... And... Um, and that's it. Now, what we do here is a very different, is a very important question. I think what me and many do here is we try to infuse um, the community with a bit of, a bit more Yiddishkeit and Jewish life, and um, and that could mean a lot of things. It could mean telling the kids the Bible stories. It could mean spending time with, uh, just spending time with someone, just being with him. It's, uh, it's been an unbelievable experience in many ways. I, not without even referring to if I enjoyed it or if it was good or not, or my, mental health or whatever, all of that, I think I've I've gained a lot from being in the situation that I'm in now. It, even just the languages. I wasn't able to speak English this level ten months ago. Clearly. No, I'm just kidding. So do you think that you enjoy that? Like being kind of that role model to people when it comes to Judaism? I don't like the concept of a role model in Judaism. Well, I, I do have role models, but I think, I think the main problem of, of most things, most places I've been in, but for sure in Judaism, is that people don't make it personal. 
And by making it personal, I mean it's yours. You need to, like, own it and earn it. And in that sense, I don't like being a role model because what what's correct for me and right for me is not right for someone else. Now, not saying that there aren't role models in the in the sense that there's people to look up to, people that inspire us, people that push us forward. But I don't think we should have role model in the sense that we imitate someone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's been, but it's, it's a weird experience, people looking up to you as example for how a proper yid should look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's weird. You mentioned something about mental health. Was it hard? Has it been no, hard? No, it's just been a joke. But yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard being away. It's hard that. What do you miss most? Food. Good one. Yeah. No, you know I I like food. I cook a lot. But yeah, I wanted to talk about that actually. Okay. I, I figured it would come up naturally okay. as it has. So okay, soon, but food and friends. That's what started this podcast, really. Or food, friends, and... F- I and guess, fun- uh, th- I used food, to friends, and family, I guess, another F. The other... The beginning of this podcast, the first few episodes would start over a meal. Because I feel like these types of conversations also happen naturally if you're eating. You know, yeah. if your body is fed, then your, your mind can connect better. Yeah, I agree. So, to pause on that topic of yeah. food... We're sitting on a patio full of herbs. Yeah. Um, my neighbor has a lovely green thumb, and I've watched a garden of herbs grow as he's been here. Um, what is it that you love about food or cooking? And you know, besides ice cream, which you're a big, big fan of. Yeah. Um. So, just by the way, about the herbs, it's not that I'm good at this uh, you're too it, humble no it's very a pick a pick simple i do as i'm told and they water them every day but i it started with with that in israel basil is expensive and goes bad quickly so i always wanted to have a basil plant because i want basil i like basil so, and Arizona is like the perfect weather for basil growing, lots of sun. And so I bought basil and I bought basil. So I decided to buy a mint also. Um, that's how it started. And now we have what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven growings. Half of them are yours that you gave up. Or- yeah, I had a few that um, I knew were going to die if I didn't give them to our herb rescue over here um and he has kept them alive one of them one of them is doing really well which one is that is that the mint no the sage that sage was mine yeah wow it is doing really well you're welcome i need to come use these herbs more because i really like i don't go to the store to buy herbs and then i'm like oh fresh you know fresh sage especially yeah but you said you don't like it no, I don't like um, rosemary. Rosemary. Yeah, no rosemary. Or was it? Did you say sage that time? I meant rose. I don't like. But rosemary. I wanted to offer you say a rosemary tea. Well, that's why. Did you I ever s- have sage tea? No. So 
I'll try it someday. Very different. Yeah. I just never thought of it. Anyway, so. Anyway, food. Um, it's hard for me to say. I always like eating. Mm. Did you used to be fat? Okay, go back. I just asked if you used to be fat because you love food. That's a mean question, but no, assuming someone question. loves food no, it's means fine. Fat. It's a fine question. I don't, I've never, I'm always been, I mean, also now I'm big. I'm not, like, I'm not thin. You're not big, though. Why? You look like you enjoy well, beer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've always, I've had this belly button for for, for belly button. Belly button. Beer, beer belly. Since you were born, I would hope. Yeah. I would hope no, that you've had a belly, belly button. That's how you call it? Beer belly. Yeah, beer belly. Since probably when we started drinking, which was probably like... 16? Yeah. Six, no, seriously, 16. Yeah, well, because 18 is legal at drinking. Age. 18 is legal, so you start at yeah. 16, and I was always young for my like class, so I think I started drinking when I was 15. Wow. But maybe 16, 17, that's when we would drink a lot of beer. Uh-huh. Um, I've lost, like, I would say 15 pounds. Since you moved here? Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I don't know, 10 kilos, something like that. Um, I, I always liked food, but cooking, I, I don't know, it's something very... Um, Something that's hard for me to describe, that it's hard for me not, I wouldn't say I'm especially knowledge, not knowledgeable, but I have friends that when I make something, explain to me why it's good, but it's hard for me to explain why it's good. Why it's good. Like the flavors and the way. Yeah, the flavor, this goes with that. You just, it's good or it's not good in your yeah. mind. Look, I, I, I'm a good student, so I have good techniques. Hmm. He's got very competent knife skills. Yeah, but knife skills. But I also have frying skills, which I'm very, I'm very confident with. I'm offended you've never made schnitzel for me. Um, okay, well, so I'm gonna make schnitzel. Not before Pesach, probably, no. or before Pesach as a party, schnitzel party for my birthday. Oh, not the day before Pesach. It's two days, but okay. okay. Anyway. Um. Yeah, you learned to make salsa, didn't you? Like you studied the chemistry of salsa. Not the chemistry, but the bit, that's something that I should learn. I didn't learn the chemistry. I wanted to learn the chemistry of food. The thing is, I've never really been, not that I don't have the, the ability, just never really interested me, um, the natural science. That's how you call food? it? Food science. No, just science, like Any biology, science. physics, chemistry. Really? I really don't know anything about it. I can, I can inform you. What? The what? I, stu I oh. studied science. I have a oh. degree in science. Oh. So. oh, really? I didn't know. So, yes, um, food chemistry is something that I really want to learn. Um, I took a, a, a food botany class. So I learned the bot you know, botany, study yeah. of plants. No, so you should be really good at growing these herbs. You would think. <laughs> but no? No. Um... Have you seen the show Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat? Or read the book? I've heard about it. You should check it out. Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Yeah. It's like the the core of culinary arts, you know? Add some salt, fat, acid, and heat, and you yeah. got it. Voila. Yeah. Um, 
Um, right. That's also, by the way, salsa. That's there's a very there's a basic like recipe. You add this is a taste. This is the acids. This is the aromatics. He makes very good salsa. I do. Um, I, I don't know where this love of food started or of cooking. I know that, for example, throughout the army, it was something that I did every time I came home. I would start cooking. I would, like, I would either come home, have a shower, and then start cooking, or come home, fall into bed, mm-hmm. wake up, and start cooking. It's something I, I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's. I think it's something very therapeutic for me. I've got yeah. um, as everyone, but I think I really have. I've got ADHD, and I haven't noticed. You have. It's sarcastic. It's sarcastic. Sorry. <laughs> Why? How, where have you noticed that? I'm. Uh, I can just tell you like to like fidget and like. Yeah, my move youth. around. Yeah. Get bored easily. Yeah, he loses it next to you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, um, so it's something very that is therapeutic. I put on, not always even, but I put on earphones, and I'm in my world, and I'm doing my thing, and don't bother me. Um, or yes, bother me because I'm a good, in a good mood. Um, I love cooking for other people. That's uh, There's something that I don't like about cooking for yourself. Um, it's not the same reward. Yeah, something very pleasant about You know, there's there's like, you make a meal, then everyone sits down, and then they take a bite, and then, oh, wow, that's amazing. That's mm-hmm. eh, I don't love, love that. But when you sit down, and you make a meal, uh, everyone starts eating. And, and they get quiet. It's quiet. That's that's the sound they like. Um, I think there's something very intense in that moment. It's like, do they like it? Do they not like it? Um, that happened the other night when we what? were eating dinner. When we ate the challah. Yeah. Yeah, but that wasn't very good. No, we were just all very hungry, I think, that day. What? With the challah? No, where we, we were all very quiet during what? It was at lunch, I think. Oh, no, that was good. That, that was, was something good. good that we ate. That was a challenge, but that I didn't make. It's, um, if we weren't in quarantine times, we could have done my episode like I used to, where we would start off cooking a meal and then yeah. eating the food, but, you know. Yeah. Corona. No, I think that's. I, I think there's also that that food is a very strong connector. Mm-hmm. It connects people. It impresses people, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. That, I think that's a primal thing because yeah. food, like back in the yeah. you know, like hunter gathers, is if you present someone with with your gathering, you know, what you hunted wasn't culinary, but it's like you're giving someone nourishment, it's like a, a primal instinct of, like, affinity. Like, you have yeah. a gratitude towards them. Yeah. No, I have a really, I have a very strong memory. Last year, what I said that I was half, half had a break from yeshiva. So what happened was there's, in Israel, youth groups are very, uh, they're very... Uh, Prevalent. Prevalent, I guess. I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> It's hard to miss them. And the specific group in the specific neighborhood that I grew up in uh, wasn't a problem. They were lacking a basically a, someone to be in charge there. And I was a bit, I needed some time off and I decided to do it. It was like twice a week, but 
came a bit more, but nothing, nothing to like, nothing that demanded a lot of time, but did uh, suck me in emotionally, and it was was a good decision. I'm glad I did it, and it was in charge suddenly in the age of ripe age of 22. I was in charge of like 20, 16, 17 year olds, and another 50. Nine to fifteen year old, fifteen year old. Um, so it's like you have the there is basically the the counselors, which are sixteen or seventeen, and then each counselor has a group of from going from third grade to ninth grade and so on. And you're like the counselor of the counselor. Then you're also mm-hmm. just technically taking making sure everything works. So I took them for a. I took them for, it, it probably sounds crazy in America, but I took them for the, we went on a, like a night hike trip kind of thing. We went um, in Hebrew, it's called a Mayan, a spring, which is a very common. Uh, like the hot spring thing, sort of. It's sort of, but in you Jerusalem. You could go at night, right? You could go at night, you could go at day, but in Jerusalem, you have a lot of mountains, and in the mountains, there's a lot of springs, so it's like. It's something very cultural. You could go. You could go twice a week to a spring. You just take the car. You you need to walk, let's say, uh, half a mile, mm-hmm. and you're at the spring. Or you could drive straight there, and it's very nice. It's fresh water. It's, it's like cold in the summer. So we went. It sounds so nice right now. It's very nice. We went somewhere in the hills just outside Jerusalem, um, and I made something that's called mitfune. So you make a bonfire, like a big fire, and then you make a pit in the ground, take chicken. And you stuff it with uh, rice or Israeli couscous or... I've heard about this. Yeah. You wrap it. You you put a lot of spices on it. You wrap it up. And in the pit, you take you take a lot of the, like the, the, the burning ashes. You put a bunch of the bottom. You put the chicken on it. It's like wrapped very well with uh, tinfoil. You cover it and then you let it sit for like three hours. It takes a long time. But it is amazing. I've never done it before. It sounds so, I, so good. It is amazing. Um, there were about 12 of us, 12 of like these kids, and eventually we take it out. So we're like, come on. And it was kind of in the beginning of our relationship. And we open it up, and we realized there's no way we're using forks. It was back in the time when we people were like next to each other. <laughs> you could eat your food with your hands. And we all like just went in with our hands. And it was amazing. And it was an amazing experience for the next fifth, like 10 minutes. No one spoke. We were just eating. And it was very primal. Yeah. And it was a bunch of men too, right? No. It was mixed? Okay. It was mixed. Yeah, we're not, we don't, I don't, uh, I don't uh, discriminate. discriminate. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was very, it was a very special it's a special memory for me. Um, yeah, so that's about food. So I feel food, you know, it's a very, like, you know, um, I also just like it. It's fun, it's fun for me, like, just being simple. It's fun for me to do. It's something that mm-hmm. I'm not, that I'm pretty good at. And it's fun, you know. Yeah. It's cre- you can get creative. I, did you know that I used to be, like, a food, I mean, I am, like, a foodie person? No, like, I have, like, a food... Not. Instagram, and I make, like, cooking videos. No, I didn't. How would I know? 
I don't know. I, you don't follow me on social media, so you wouldn't I don't know. really have social media. I know, so you wouldn't know. But I guess it's not something I'd be like, here, look at my video I made on Snapchat of me cooking food. Yeah. But, yeah, I, um, yeah, I used to like, want to be a chef, actually. Yeah. I kind of want to go into that business. I have that the thought of maybe going into that business. Um, but Re- like restaurateur? Yeah. I could see it. Yeah, I fell in love with food um, when I was in elementary school because, um, as I was mentioning earlier, I have um, inside conversation, I have a lot of medical problems. So one of the medications I had to take when I was little uh, makes you gain weight and it like you're very hungry. So I was like a little girl and I was like very like ravenous all the time. So I'd watch Food Network like all day long and like my mom would buy me cookbooks and so I would watch and I was like it gave me like something to do um and instead of just like being hungry like I could like be creative with it uh and so ever since then like I was I've been like on and off throughout my life like wanting to like be really into food you know and cooking or just like doing it for myself um, but yeah, it's definitely something that I love to like plate things nicely. The camera always eats first. Like I always take pictures of stuff and like my, it's a great stress reliever. Like you were talking about, do you like to bake too? I got into baking when I left the army and I left when I finally got out of it. Um, so I decided I want to learn how to make bread. So there is a small uh, artisan um, bakery right by Be'i Shiva. So I went to work for him once a week. So yeah, I, I love baking. Baking is hard. Yeah, I'm baking not as good is at baking. Hard. Baking is very hard, but more impressive also. It takes more patience. Much more patience. It's much more chemistry related. Much more chemistry related. I like to improvise. Cooking, you can improvise. If it's yeah. a little to this, you can do that. Baking, it's either like on or off. Like, yeah. Look, to be like, I just mentioned the challah we had Friday night. Yeah. That I don't think was very good. The moment they put the water in the flour in that dough, I knew it's not going to be good. There's like nothing you can do. Oh, so I added water, but it's not. It's. Yeah. yeah. If it doesn't set right, it's not. I'm trying to make some this week. We'll see how it turns out. Oh, you're making some this week? Well, I'm going to do my little solo Shabbat. So. Mm, you're doing a solo Shabbat? I think so. Um, let's see. What is our next subject? Okay. Now... We come to a segment which I call Trust Fall, where I turn the tables, and now I have to trust you and pass over the mic in a sense that now, since I've been interviewing you, if you have any burning questions for me, it's your turn to return the favor or punishment, however you've been experiencing this. Tough. Um... I'm quite interested how you got to the point that you got in, like, your Jewish life. Because from what I understand, you grew up in a non-observant like, mm-hmm. atmosphere. And now I think you're 
I don't know exactly where you stand now, but I think you're, it's something that you um, take, you care about. I, I think that's always very interesting how people, I think one of the very most interesting questions in life is how do people start caring about things? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's my question. I think for anything that someone is passionate about or is a big part of their life, there's always a moment where they're like, this is when I realized that I love football, you know, whatever it is that they yeah. get up out of bed at four. Um, it's a fair question to ask. Um, I Sometimes I get defensive when I get this question. I feel like just because it is somewhat of a person, not, I'm not afraid to answer it, but like when it's, depending on who it's coming from and why they're asking, um, I sometimes don't like to explain it. Like um, sometimes my family has asked, like, the, you know, like, why do you want to, you know, do this or that? And it feels... Like, and if there's a sense of judgment from the question, then I don't like to answer it. Did you feel that for me? No. Okay. But the best explanation, I think I had a realization once um, I would, I'm involved with ASU because I go there for grad school and the rabbi there, I think we were having a Febringen or he's oftentimes asked me to give like a speech like on Shabbat or at services or something because um, I'm a comfortable public speaker. As you can guess, given I have a podcast, I clearly like to hear myself talk. Um, and It's okay. I work for a rabbi. He, yeah. He likes speaking. And so I think it was as I was writing a speech, he wanted me to talk about like something about, you know, getting people excited about being Jewish or why, why it's important to me, whatever holiday it was. And, um, as I was writing that speech, I like connected some dots in my life and it was a surprise to him because I realized that at that point I hadn't really told anyone those things. Like it was just something in my mind and it kind of, you know, when you see like the stars align in a sense and you're right, I did grow up in, uh, like my family's totally Jewish, but I'd say I'm very American Jewish, um, non-observant in the sense people who know what observant Judaism is. Um, you know, I did the, the main holidays, grew up with like Jewish culture, um, but it wasn't, you know, I had a sense of God and, you know, praying, um, not in like a formulaic way, but the idea that you can pray to God and things should happen. Um and I, and that was it, you know, it was, I went to Jewish youth group, summer camp, things like that. Um, but I think for some reason, like I was always drawn to think my parents never pushed me to do anything. My brother didn't have that same experience. He didn't like the Jewish experiences he had in life. So for some reason, whatever was guiding me in life, I was always choosing those things on my own. Um, so whether it was, um, so basically I, as I was giving this speech, what I realized was that, uh, in elementary school, I was involved Jewishly, you know, as most kids, you know, you go to Sunday school, you go to summer camp, you do that stuff. And then in middle school, I didn't have as many Jewish friends and I, it's some of a, it's a cultural social thing. So I didn't like the Jewish friends I had, so I didn't want to do the Jewish activities. So most of my friends that I hung out with were Mormon 
And so when I would hang out with them, like obviously if I go to their house for dinner, they're praying, or if I want to hang out after school, they go to their church group or whatever. So basically throughout middle school, I was, I wasn't Christian, but I was around people who had a relationship to God, but different, you know, idea of God in some ways. And I always knew, like, I wasn't interested in becoming their religion, but I always knew that I liked the idea that, like, we would pray or be thankful for things and, like, the the sense of family that was around um, when I would be at their homes and things like that. And I think at that point I hadn't really connected to Judaism in that sense. Uh, And so there was one summer I went to Mormon sleepaway camp and – they were talking about some Bible story or whatever. And I just remember being like very confused because I was like, this doesn't sound right. Or like, it just didn't make sense to me. And so I actually got sick at camp. I had to come home. (laughs) And um, I remember asking my mom if we had a copy of like the Bible, like the Old Testament, because I wanted to read it. I was like, you know, these people like referring to things. And I'm like, I want to know if I'm Jewish, like, this is our book. Like, what does our book say? Mm. And I think I read like maybe one, like 10 pages of it and then like lost interest for a bit. But like, even that was like sixth or seventh grade. Like I had some interest in like, what is this all about? Faded away, whatever. But becoming really like passionate about it. I think, you know, little by little, I was always choosing to do Jewish things. And in college, Um, I got more involved with, um, like learning Torah in a sense and connecting to what like living a Jewish life is and, um, really kind of what you were alluding to earlier about like knowing more about that type of stuff, um, and bringing it kind of full circle back to the beginning with like the Fabringen idea that like there were just certain things that I was seeing or feeling in those Jewish environments at that point that just related to my life. Like I didn't, I I enjoyed going out with friends and partying, but I was always kind of like over it. Like I didn't like doing that something. It wasn't enough for me. And so I think I was finding the things in Judy in my Jewish life at that point that I was feeling I was missing from my other parts of life. Um, And so it just made sense, you know, if like, these things are happening that like, you know, you just keep growing kind of what you're like that Rubicon, as you were mentioning earlier, like once you kind of realize that it's you not that you, you can't go back because it's kind of like, once you know something, you can't unknow it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that it's just been um, becoming more and more important in my life since then but it's something that I think I was always my compass as you were talking about earlier I think was always headed in that direction but I had to figure it out in my own time but you're thinking I was uh while I was speaking you were thinking no I was was reminded that the Rubicon is what exactly is this Rubicon if anyone's interested for me it was the I don't believe in God. What do I mean by that? I don't, I don't, what, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think belief is very, is what God wants. 
from you. He wants trust. But trust me, I'm funny. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah, trust me. <laughs> but but not belief in the in the sense of I believe in the existence of God or no. Because believing the existence of God is something very it's very small. Abstract not, and it doesn't mean anything. It's like let's talk about corona. Okay. I believe in corona or don't believe in corona. It doesn't matter if you've got it. Yeah. You've got it, you're on a ventilator. No one's asking you if you believe it or not, right? Why? It's happening. It's happening. It's real. And it has to do with you. No one's asking you if you believe or no one cares about if you, you don't care about if you believe in Corona or not, if you're sitting by, well, you're not sitting by, but you're sitting at home thinking about your, your friend or your parent or whoever, God forbid, is lying in the hospital because it's real and it has to do with you. And I think the same with God. You don't, I, I don't believe in God. I, I, I have a, a relationship with, with 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 God. I think that's a point when that happens. When you once you meet someone, you can't. It's not about believing about their existence. It's about is that relationship meaningful or not? And I think once you have a relationship with God, which I think it's not something very hard to to accomplish, but I think that's a Rubicon because once. You know him or her. Or them. Or them, that. Then it's hard, then it's impossible to ignore. Um, yeah. It's a good, it's a good point. Yeah. Do I, so, do I need to ask you more questions or do I get only one question? You can ask more if you have more. But you also look like you're falling asleep and I, I don't want to, I don't want to put you to bed with my story. Or my answer to your question. No, it's not. It's not you. It's just. It's, it's not you. Early, it's me. No, it was an early morning, and it's now a late night. And it's, uh, <laughs> this is true. Okay, so we can play a closing game, or we okay. can just wrap up what we learned. Do you want to end a game. on a game? Let's do a game. Okay. So my idea was that we could play a variation of the game, which we often oh play. no, Ooh. what think and think? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> okay, so we don't. Okay, have I'll just explain. I don't like games. And Stella loves games. <laughs> and I think she also likes making me play them. <laughs> so Oh, have you figured that out? Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> so so that's it. But it's okay because I don't like laugh from her jokes, so we're even. Yep. Okay. I suffer because you don't laugh and you suffer because I make you play games. Yeah. All right. So um I know what some of the cards say but we don't have them with us, but it doesn't really matter. Okay. So basically the premise of the game is you say a category of something, and then mm -hmm. on the count of three, two people have to try to say the same thing that fits in that category. So I'll let you pick the first topic. No, so just for example, so for example, the topic will be type of apples, then we would go three, two, one, pink Fuji. lady. We failed. Yeah. So... And if you're like in sync, so if you're you if you're on the same wavelength, yeah, then so it works better. Yeah, like sometimes if I stare long enough, I think that he's gonna say what I'm gonna say, but it, it doesn't work. It doesn't always work. Doesn't no, work. but we have two neighbors that are amazing at it. Yeah, not not a couple. Omer just, and Avi. Yeah, the the, the two. We They're have just two like couples. from the same place in life experience they're not from the same place <laughs> in life <laughs> they're just really good at reading each other's i life. think they're just really good friends yeah they're like they're, they're on the same way yeah. yeah 
We're not in sync enough. Yeah. So this will be funny. Um, all right. Let's pick ice cream since that's one of your favorite subjects. Okay. And last time you played with yourself on this game. <laughs> <laughs> so I think one of the questions is what are things that you put on top of ice cream? Yeah. We can't say M&M's because... Because we both we, decided it's a terrible topping for ice cream. So that's out of the question. All right. Yeah. Three, two, two one. one. Marshmallow. Chocolate. Mm. I thought chocolate is not a good I meant topping. chocolate like sauce. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm okay. very judgmental when it comes to ice cream. Yeah, I can tell. Um, all right. Should we do that top one again or different? What? Another topping? Yeah. Not if you're going to say chocolate. No, I won't. Okay. Okay. Three, two, two one. one. Sprinkles. What? <laughs> okay. Um, let's try flavors of ice okay. cream. All right. Three, What? Two. What flavors? Just any flavor? Any flavors. Okay. Three, two, one. Salted chocolate caramel. chip. That's my favorite. Yes. Yes. Salted caramel. Okay. Let's try again. Three, two, one. Coffee. Cookie dough. <laughs> <laughs> That's your second it's just, favorite. It's not my second favorite. No, but it's just it's, it's a, you're American. It's never going to work with ice cream. The flavors are different. Tastes are different. Tastes mm. are very different between Israel and America. Like flavor palettes? Yeah. Mm. You go sweeter. Mm, you go savory. Yeah. Mm. Usually. But I'm not saying my favorite. I'm just saying What's your flavors. favorite? Uh... I like mango sorbet. A classic vanilla is good. Um, I like mint chocolate chip. Oh, ice cream. Ice cream, in the essence, is very American. It's like, it's big. It has way too much fat. And you always want more of it. And the more the, be the, more, the better. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, so it's pretty American in that sense. Okay, let's switch Sorry, topics. Americans. You pick the next top category. What? Anything? Anything. Doesn't have to be food related. Cars. Oh, Because we park next to each other. Okay. So like, not like type. All right. Well, we've had plenty of fun playing games over here and disagreeing about words in different languages and pronunciations and all of that jazz. But I think it's time to wrap up and conclude what we've learned from this episode. We've talked a bit about the Jewish journey, what brings people to do things in life, and how they've come to the place they are right now, including what their Rubicon is or the point of no return. My guest here has touched upon talking about being willing to change, even if it's only a little bit that you're able to notice and not noticeable from the outside, but something that has a big impact on the trajectory of your life. What do you have to say in conclusion? So just about that willingness to change and to improve. I think that when someone is constantly asking himself, how could I improve with after every argument or every um, problem, Ask yourself, how could I improve? Then that's, I think that's a life changer. Not the improvement. I think the biggest change pe most people need to do is uh, the willingness to take charge and really change. I think that's, I think that's very important. Mm -hmm. I don't feel that enough. 
No, sorry if I bored anyone. You got to this point and you were, weren't interested, so sorry. Sorry if this wasn't funny. Yeah. I guess I'm really not that funny, but at least maybe you learned something. Maybe. In conclusion, this episode has been sponsored additionally by another sponsor. Pump pump up the jam. Pump it up. That's right. Keep the good times pumping with hand sanitizer. Forget the days when some germs were good. We want all 99.9% of them dead and gone, especially <laughs> COVID-19. So thank you all for joining us tonight on this thank episode of Trust Me, I'm Funny. Stay sane out there in quarantine. And if you're interested in being interviewed on my podcast, feel free to let me know. Until next time, friends, have a laugh and build some trust. L'chaim. L'chaim.